This episode of Mining Stock Daily is brought to you by Ascot Resources, focused on the development of exploration at the premier gold mine in British Columbia's Golden Triangle. Follow the latest developments from the premier mine at ascotgold.com. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have some more market commentary today, but before we get to my conversation with Craig Hemke from the TF Metals Report, let's take a quick look at the numbers. Uh, still a pretty ugly day for precious metals. A gold, 1721 futures basis, silver, $26.65, give or take. Uh, two red days. Well, I guess silver's up a little bit. Uh, the miners per the GDX and GDXJ, both down. However, you know what's up? General equities, everything, uh, SPY, NASDAQ, Dow Jones up over 2%, basically 2.5% all around the board. Uh, we're going to talk about the move, specifically this uh, move in precious metals with Craig. Uh, Craig, I guess we can't really, I guess I'm just kind of tired of bitching about it, but we're just, again, nothing we can do about this move downward all of a sudden in gold. Well, I guess not all of a sudden, but this certainly hurts a little bit the last couple trading days, doesn't it? Yeah, it's been, uh, I don't know, uh, last Monday was a good day. I remember that, yeah. vaguely. <laughs> um, seems like every day since, and uh, it is just, you know, I I used, I can't remember who I was talking to a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they referred to the metals as just being hated. And I thought about that for a second, and I thought, you know, I remember, uh, and I, I think it was a girlfriend of mine that was breaking up with me, who said that it, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And for a while, our sector was loved, and now it's just nobody cares. It's just not on anybody's radar. And it, it, it just it, it almost feels like we're the only ones even watching it, you know? Um, you, you mentioned gold going down. You know, open interest in COMEX gold, which was hitting all-time highs just a little bit over a year ago, and the banks were at their kind of pink shenanigans before the markets broke in, you know, March last year. We were up at 800,000 contracts. As of Friday, we're down to like 460,000 contracts, and it's the lowest total open interest since May of 2019. Hmm. And so, again, we've gone from, you know, at least some interest in the sector, you know, and everybody getting excited by last summer to now, it's just, you feel like, you know, like when you, here's another metaphor that just came to mind, you know, like when you ever go to like a quarter car wash, Trevor, you know, yeah, and you can get, you know, for like 250, you spray your car down, you know, and scrub it and stuff. And then you can pull into the back lot and they used to have like a little uh, ringer there that you could put your chamois through. Mm -hmm. Just to dry. That's where I think that's where we are. We're, we're getting passed through that ringer. <laughs> at this point because that's how i feel i just feel wrung out man it is uh and maybe that's a sign of a bottom well, maybe and it, it just i for the last couple of weeks you know i've i've been listening to a lot of different interviews a lot of different analysis and fund managers and the like and it always kind of obviously piques my interest when this smart money talks about uh, looking at a position in gold. And I'm even hearing, I'm hearing that more often from this quote unquote smart money. But then I'm also hearing like, well, maybe it just needs to really shake out more. We just got to get all that, whatever interest is still kind of 
levitating here to get that out of the way. And then we can start our next leg up. But Dan Craig, I just don't know where that is, where that bottom is to start that next leg right now. 1650, 1660 maybe. Yeah. I I'm watching, um, after what happened to us Thursday and Friday last week, um, in my Friday wrap up podcast, I said, you know, I, I suppose we should probably be expecting maybe 1680 now that we're down this far, if anything, because, uh, as we were moving up last year, we spent about 90 days in a hundred dollar range between 1680 and 1780. In fact, there was a day I'll, I remember it well. Uh, it was a, a jobs report Friday, June the 5th, where we actually broke down and were, you know, like 1670. And I remember thinking, oh man, we break out of this range. This, you know, this could be ugly. And instead we reversed, got back above it. And that was kind of the low. And then we rallied all through the rest of June and July and into early August and rallied up, you know, obviously a significant amount from there. Um, so you would think, you know, 1780 then it held a support back in late November and then again up until last week. So you would think now that we've fallen through 1780 that maybe 1680. Uh, I, I, I don't know, you know. It's it's hard. I keep preaching the long game and the big picture and all that kind of stuff. And all of that stuff is, I mean, entirely valid. And and I still think we're going to finish the year quite strong mm. because of all those fundamentals. But man, you sit here on the 1st of March and, you know, that, that does very little good when you look at the screen, you see nothing but red. There is a silver lining to this, Craig. And uh, one of the narratives I also continue to hear is this smart money looking at the gold producers finally as a value play, because I think it's finally under, being somewhat understood that even at these prices, despite gold being in this long six or seven month consolidation downtrend, the, mine, the, the gold producers have incredible margins. And there is a value proposition there for investors. And I'm starting to hear more of this. This is the same thing you and I have talked about for months now. Yeah. Well, and there's that indifference that I mentioned a few minutes ago, Trevor, you know, you, you look at, uh, well, for example, Kirkland Lake last week had just some fantastic results, uh, production numbers. I mean, just couldn't have been better. Uh, what are they? Uh, I don't even know what their PE ratio is. 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th things like that used to matter. You know, I remember when I first became a stockbroker 30 years ago. I mean, you do put every one of your clients into something, you know, that's generating cash flow with a divot, you know, a, a, a healthy dividend like that. That's well above, um, you know, the average. Uh, you've got all these different things. P.E. ratio. You, and it just nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I you know, it's like um, uh, I remember. I think it was the beginning of 2016. Maybe it was, yeah, it would have had to have been. And uh, Grant Williams, who's a guy I've known for a long time and, and has a an excellent newsletter that he writes. Um, and he, he's a great public speaker, very engaging guy. And he gave a presentation called Nobody Cares. And you can actually probably still find it. You can go to YouTube and just type in Grant Williams, Nobody Cares, and watch it. And it was at a kind of a similar point to this, if I'm right about the dates, because it was early 2016 and 
Uh, you know, we're about to have a really fantastic seven or eight months in the metals and the shares in, the, you know, those first two thirds of 2016. But we were coming out of uh, a terrible 2014 where the dollar rallied from 80 to 100 and all the commodities just got killed. And then 2015 was just awful. Uh, and it felt like this, like these last six or seven months have felt where it just seemed like every single day. I mean, it was just a series of of lower highs and lower lows. And every single day felt bad and every single week seemed like it was a red candle and it was relentless. And it was the summer of 2015 when the Wall Street Journal printed their infamous, you know, let's face it, gold is just a pet rock story. And and then that uh, that came out on a Friday and then on Sunday night, gold got whacked for like $60 out of the blue, you know, and it just felt like everything was, was everything was aligned against you, yeah. you know. And it was never going to get better. And then lo and behold, it did. And and that's a little bit what it feels like now, that's for sure. It's interesting you just mentioned Grant Williams because uh, his new uh, podcast just got released last night. And I got a chance to listen to, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes of it last night when I was putting the kids to bed. Uh, <laughs> I needed... Aren't you a fun dad? <laughs> well, well, you know, I was sitting in the dark waiting for them to fall asleep. I got to... Uh, try to stay uh, stay abreast with things, but uh, literally his latest podcast is about how the stock market basically just turned into into a casino. It's not about valuations. Yeah. It's not price for earnings yeah. or anything like that. It's like, well, where's the next move up going to come from? You know, yeah, it's just it, so dangerous. It's the greater fool theory is basically what it relies upon at this point. Yeah. That you're just hoping that, you know, if you buy Tesla or Apple or, you know, whatever at this point, that there'll be somebody else, a greater fool than you, that'll pay more for it when you go to sell it. Right. Yeah. And and again, yeah, the basic fundamentals, business fundamentals, um, just just don't matter at this point in that kind of environment. And I'm not sure um, what it will take to change that. Cause you kind of, it would almost be like a, what we used to call a sector rotation. You know, we're going to move out of growth and we're going to move into value, Trevor. Um, and that's kind of what it's going to take. People have to recognize and desire that value. And man, we got a little hint of it last summer, you know, when the GDX got to 46, uh, and now here we are, what, 30% lower. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it, it is, but it is, it's, it's, it's just frustrating. And I, it, there are some fundamental factors for why gold has fallen so sharply over the last seven months. I mean, you think the, uh, you go back to last summer when gold was peaking near $2,100, the yield on the 10 year note was you know, about 50, 55 basis points is all. And so here we are now, seven months later, and uh, the yield is 150 basis points. In fact, even just this year, we finished last year at about 95. And we're, I mean, so the move in the 10-year rate is more than 50% in two months. I mean, it, you can look at that and go, well, no, no wonder gold's falling every single day. So what ultimately is going to have to happen is a change of that. Um, I suspect that change is coming, which is why I'm so optimistic even for later on this year. But between now and that, you know, that point comes when uh, long rates either get capped or start to move back down. Man, it just seems more of this, you know, like they're just uh, sl pull, slowly pulling your fingernails out. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about the Fed here 
in a little bit. And I want to get your thoughts on bonds. But before we get to that part of the conversation, Craig, I, I, I don't want people listening who are invested in precious metals and the miners to just, you know, throw the paper up in the air and, and give up. Because there is like there are things you can do. And there's things that I have been doing the last couple of weeks that I think are going to play, pay dividends in the long run, such as just doing my homework, you know, reading books. Uh, doing some studies on the metals, the markets, uh, trying to understand the bigger picture. Um, you know, like just reading a book about gold and certain things that have happened throughout yeah. the world's history b- based on the metal. Like these are just certain things that you just pick up a book and read. Forget about the day-to-day fluctuations, but just continue to educate yourself. In times of like this consolidation, I guess for less, you know, no better terms like what is something you are doing craig to like continue to better yourself as an investor well i I continue to read mining stock daily how's that (laughs) um well and and i and i don't say that uh jokingly just because um it's real easy to i think you're just the smartest guy in the world when everything's going up right uh one of the ways you mitigate uh, losses or damage or take advantage of pullbacks is to have either educate yourself, like you said, or have other great sources that can educate you and, and help point you more toward winners than losers. So that's the first thing. The other thing that just comes to mind is I, um, I had a guy, this is kind of a off, this is going to see him off subject, but somebody contacted me last week. I used to uh, used to work with Scott Steel Mint and we had TFMR silver rounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're out of production now and which, what, what isn't out of production now, right. Regarding silver because supply is so tight. But I mentioned in an interview that I used to have them and a guy from my site emailed and said, you know, would you sell me a couple of those? Um, because I'd love to have them. And I thought, you know, I don't want to get in the business of shipping silver all over the place. I said, okay, sure. Fine. I'll sell you a couple of them. And I thought to myself, "I I think that's the first silver I've ever sold. I, all I've ever done is buy it. And I, you know, and I, all through the downturn, you know, I, I, I bought a bunch in 2010, 11, but I also bought a bunch in 2014 and 15 and I've been buying it all along. And so, um, what do I do with the down, you know, the downtime, these consolidation periods, I just make sure that, you know, I double check that my basic investment thesis and philosophy hasn't changed. But then from there, take advantage of the prices and just keep adding to my stack. Yeah. 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 Okay. Craig, let's talk about, uh, the fed meeting coming up, uh, a week full of fed interviews this week. I don't even know who was up today. Uh, but it literally is every day this week. Somebody from the committee is giving some interview or speech or something. Uh, but we have this continued conversation about, you know, will they implement yield curve control? And what scares you the most, Craig, the, rate of these yields moving higher or just how high they have gotten in the short period of time? Well, it's how high they've gotten in a short period of time that have, like I said, really hurt gold because uh, everybody's expecting inflation. Some of the data we got again today makes it seem like, you know, at least kind of a cost push style inflation is here, but it's not reflected yet in the official government numbers. You can go to the Chapwood index, you know, you can, Go to the grocery store and you know inflation's you know you know chugging along higher but in the official numbers that are used to compute your inflation adjusted return on the 10-year treasury inflation hasn't changed from last summer 
I mean, we were about one and a half percent of the CPI last summer, about one and a half percent now. But that 10-year note's gone from one half of one percent to one half. And so your your real inflation adjusted returns gone from negative one percent back to zero. And it was that real interest rate that was really driving uh, the purchase of gold futures and everything else, driving price higher. So if if we can get the actual inflation numbers to tick up and mitigate how much the nominal rates are rising, or if we can drive nominal rates back down, um, all of those things will help drive real rates negative again. And it's, it's important to understand that that almost has to be the direction the Fed goes, because you're never going to be able to service all of this accumulated debt. You know, we added three trillion last year, we're going to add at least that if not $5 trillion this year. You can't service all this debt at higher interest rate levels, uh, nor can you do it in a deflationary environment, which really higher interest rates are. And so they're going to try to grow their way out of it. They're going to try to inflate their way out of managing this debt. And the only way you can do that, like I said, is to lock in negative real interest rates, You know where your inflation rate is 2 or 3% above what your 10-year treasury rate is. So I think that's the direction they're headed. And then you think fundamentally they have an issue as well, because at present, all of this QE and debt monetization the Fed is doing is down on the very short end of the yield curve. Uh, what's a 90-day T-bill is like four basis points is all. Even a two-year note is only like 15. And so you've got not only the Fed in there buying up all the issuance from the Treasury, but then you've got you know money market funds and and anybody else, you know, that is that that is in there, you know, looking for short-term liquidity and safety, they're in there too. And so you've got the Fed even kind of crowding out uh, some of the traditional buyers of the short-term paper, and that is driving those rates lower and lower and lower, and getting the yield curve steeper and steeper. At some point, the Fed, uh, like I said, is going to want to cap how much rates go up on the long end, but they're also going to have to get out of the short end because uh, they risk running the rates to zero or even below, you know, especially for like a 90-day T-bill. So I think that double-edged thing prompts the Fed, and we may get a hint of this as soon as two weeks from now, mm-hmm. prompts the Fed to start implementing yield curve control, but they'll do it in steps, right? They'd rather just jawbone it. What they'll, first thing they'll do is they say, we're going to we're gonna start extending the maturities that we're purchasing in our large-scale asset purchase program. If that's not enough um, to drive long rates down, then and and if they're starting still crowding out everybody on the short end, then maybe by April uh, they'll come out and they'll say, okay, yeah, we are really are going to do this, and here's how we're going to do it. And if the problem continues and long rates keep going higher, um, then maybe they might actually be forced to actually do it uh, with a you know with a, a, a set schedule and formalize the whole thing. But I think that's where we're headed. And if I'm right about the inflation, the kind of stagflationary component of all this over the next year or two, and with the Fed capping yields on the longer end, then you're going to get these uh, negative real rates are going to be more negative than they were last summer, which would imply even higher gold prices eventually. Well, that's why we hold gold, right? <laughs> Protect ourselves from exactly yeah. that from happening. Uh, yeah. You know, Craig, I, I was thinking over the weekend, I was just kind of sitting on the couch and click you know with the channel channel clicker going through the tv and i was like you know what i have not 
paid a whole lot of attention to the actual just news of the country since the election. I think it's because since the election and the inauguration, I was just so checked out after mid January. I just like, you know, needed to take a break and it kind of dawned on me. I mean, we're talking about the continued uh, narrative of uh, the yield curve. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me because I haven't been paying attention, but it seems like this conversation about another $2 trillion in stimulus on back of a prior stimulus, which hasn't all been paid out yet, mind you, in the back of a COVID relief bill, um, that people just, this has become the new normal. It's like, oh, they're just going to print another $2 trillion. Let's get back to, you know, whatever it is that we want to talk about, the, the Golden Globes or something. Yeah. Like we just don't like we just the significance of this is just dwindling it. And that's just a dangerous th- place to be. And it's certainly you could see that in the gold price. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would think if it just was off, you know, that basic fundamental of devaluing present dollars, not versus all the other fiat, just in terms of just dilution of the float of dollars and the growth of the debt. You would think, yeah, gold should be, you know, just going up a hundred dollars every day. But obviously it's not. Um. And so, yeah, you wonder, to your point, you know, does it, are we past the point where it even matters? Even? And, and if you can control that perception, you know, if that's one of the plates you can keep spinning, then, you know, don't look over there at all this accumulated debt and how we're going to service it and all that stuff. So look over here, look how shiny Tesla is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can control that narrative, that's probably part of it. Um, I, you know, and I guess one last thing that comes to mind um, regarding yield curve control. Because I, again, like I said, I fervently, ardently believe that this is what the Fed's ultimately going to have to do. They're going to have to cap long-term rates because, again, they just can't. That's why they had to change policy when we got to 3% on the 10-year back in November of 2018 because it was crushing the market and sucked up all the liquidity and it was deflationary and, and the money supply was temporarily crashing and all this kind of stuff. So they're not going to let it happen again. Uh, the problem, though, for them is, you know, you always hear... Powell talk about his toolbox, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got all these tools in the toolbox. Well, actually, yield curve control is about the last one. And there are a couple of central banks around the world that have already tried to implement it. Um, the Japanese central bank, the Australian central bank come to mind. And they've capped and they said, we will be a buyer of our treasuries uh, at, it, at this yield which basically means we stand here, you know, with a put saying, you know, there's no reason to think their rates are going to go any higher because we will buy them and drive them back down if we ever get to that level. Well, last week, as the U.S. treasuries were selling off, um, those caps were broken. And there was enough selling, uh, just, you know, regular institutional type selling to break those caps. Uh, the Japanese 10-year bond got the highest yield since 16 uh, they were, they were, the bank of Australia had to come back in and redouble their efforts. If the fed puts on yield curve control, right. And says, we're going to be buying bonds above, you know, one and a half percent or 2% or whatever they decide it is. And then they can't do it. You know, there's only so many treasuries they can buy. They got to get the government, the treasury to the Congress has to pass fiscal spending measures. And then the treasury has to issue the debt and the fed has to buy it to keep pumping the cash out there. If they can't, if they put on yield curve control and then it breaks, uh, we, that that point we are sailing off into a brave new world, and things could change really quickly. And um, 
that that was starting to really concern me by late last week. And I, just because I had the benefit of a weekend, it hasn't. Yeah, that thought is still in the back of my mind. And, and it, I'm not going around predicting the end of the world, Trevor, but um, the potential is there that, that events could start to move a lot quicker here in the months ahead. Craig, uh, as the months ahead do come along, we look forward to welcoming you, welcoming you back to the show and get some more commentary. Uh, I do think it could be a wild spring and summer yeah. and a pretty exciting fall, I believe. I agree with you. It's just that, uh, you know, I sit here on March the 1st and I want to drive my head through the screen of my MacBook. <laughs> so as long as I can keep myself from doing that, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to go from here. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. All right. Craig, take her easy. We'll talk to you again, my friend, and uh, have a great rest of your week. You too. You too. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.